Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, if we can say there was anything positive that happened in the trade today, well, we did see some mixed numbers on the feeder cattle and the hogs, but it was the wheat that saw the positive numbers on the day. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in this grain complex. There's a struggle that's going on from a fundamental standpoint, and China still looking to do some more buying in the trade. And what about those elevators? What do they own or not own at this point, and what does that mean as we hit this spring planting season. Lots to happen today as Alan Brugler joins us with Brugler Marketing and Management. And so I asked you, Alan, when we started, got something positive to talk about, and you, you kind of chuckled and said, yeah, wheat was higher at all three exchanges. And they've been the one that's kind of pulling everybody down. So maybe we're seeing a little bit of push up. Well, we've got a, at least a dead cat bounce. Uh, that's that's the term when when you've been hitting it so hard. The old saying, of course, was you throw a cat off a 20-story building, it'll bounce when it hits the pavement. But it's kind of a, a sarcastic statement. But uh, what we are starting to see is a little bit more concern about the, the weather in the uh, southern plains in Texas and Oklahoma and, and Kansas. Uh, the, the drought monitor today showed some worsening of the D4 areas in that in that prime uh, winter wheat area. And that was enough to get Kansas City up. Uh, Minneapolis, I think, is just plain worried about getting acreage bought here uh, with competition for corn and beans. Uh, not much new on the Ukraine corridor deal. Well, there definitely has been a lot of uh, discussions already about what we're going to see um, planting acre numbers. Big report coming out next week. Kenneth, what are your thoughts? And we've seen some early numbers that came out last week. But what's your spin on what you're hearing about what this intentions report could be all about? <clears throat> well, uh, I, I think we're we're basically expecting more corn acres and maybe a few more wheat acres. Cotton be down quite a bit. Uh, we already know winter wheat is up. Uh, the 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 wild cards are probably things like spring wheat. Uh, you know, it rarely never pencils in the Dakotas compared to some of the other crops. But you plan it for rotation. You plan it to spread out your field work or, or spread your weather risk. So. Uh, you know, plus or minus 500,000 acres on spring wheat makes a difference here, particularly if the HRW is in trouble. Uh, right now we're thinking there's enough winter wheat acreage, HRW acreage, that we would get an, an increase in production versus last year's disaster. But, again, the, the, the maps look pretty dry right here. So overall, as we continue to look at the markets, you were talking a little bit about the, the fundamentals standpoint of what's going on. What's your thought on the bullishness for this corn? Well, I'm, I am friendly on corn. The, the, it's a combination of things. First of all, the commitment traders reports are finally getting caught up. You know, by Friday, we'll, we'll be up to current uh, three-day lag with what CFTC likes to do. But what it's showing us is the, the elevators don't own much corn. In fact, the commercial short position is the smallest since 2020, and they're only short when they've got uh, corn in inventory that they haven't flipped yet. So uh, that tells us there's not a lot of uh, corn ownership. The farmer has most of the corn. And then you've got China coming in and buying uh, over the last 10 days or so uh, more than 100 million bushels of old crop corn. All of that's got to be shipped before the end of August because that's the definition of old crop. So you got a big uh, demand coming, short-term demand, of course, but uh, it suggests the elevators don't have it. So are we going to get a strong basis push or are we going to get a board rally? Something's got to happen there to make that corn move uh, to that Chinese demand. 
How long do you think, I mean, holding on to the grain at the bins on the farm, at some point, we got to do some selling. What's going to be the motivation besides, obviously, higher prices? Well, I mean, that is the, the motivation, higher prices. I think uh, we, we what we maybe didn't appreciate, some of the producers didn't appreciate, was we were at higher prices, okay? We were the second highest prices since 2012. Um, that was the carrot. Now we're trying the stick, which is uh, see if you can shake something loose by, by selling it off. Uh, but with this Chinese development, uh, <clears throat> China's coming in and buying on the dip, and that's that's exactly what the market needed here. Uh, you know, having said that, we need to see 700 to 800 million bushels of corn exported in the third quarter uh, just to make the current USDA forecast for the year. And that's that's more than double what we shipped in in the, the second quarter. So, you know, we needed this business just to to make the existing forecast. This is not incremental demand that's going to tighten up your overall balance sheet, but it's very necessary to prop up the market. Definitely has the appetite out there from China, and can we see that continue a little bit longer for them? Well, I. I they're going to be somewhat limited by logistics. Uh, we are noticing today that the Dalian futures, the corn futures, they are starting to come down. So they're starting to recognize that, hey, uh, there that there is going to be some imported corn hitting the market here, and we don't need to to maintain our price level where it is. So their their prices have been well over ten dollars a bushel, and occasionally over eleven dollars a bushel. So there's. Uh, it makes financial sense to bring in the corn. The, the, the thing you have to keep in the back of your head, of course, is the, the, the political and uh, geopolitical relationships with China aren't doing just the best right now. And uh, this may be a case of uh, get it white and get it sort of thing. What about the talk that China had with Russia? Do we see that affecting uh, and weighing in on this trade? <clears throat> well, again, this, this is the secondary or the trail of facts. So they had the meeting. Right. They, they've said all kinds of positive things about my good friend Putin and my good friend Xi. Uh, they signed a few trade deals of various types, mostly, uh, you know, things just going across the border from Russia to China, uh, crude oil and so forth. Um, apparently, they didn't, uh, at least publicly, they didn't agree to send any weapons to Russia. And uh, there were rumors that there, the Russia was selling wheat to China, but uh, we think that phytosanitary restrictions are going to basically make that hard to do. That there's uh, uh, some other issues in Russian wheat. The Chinese historically don't want that wheat coming into China because they don't want the, the smut. Uh, so that'll probably be a very limited program. If Folks, we do have a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the road. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Alan Brugler with Brugler Marketing and Management. We left off kind of talking about what was happening globally with the world and some of the influences that we continue to see uh, happen in that. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit, um, and I know that we've had the discussions this week because the Feds had their talk yesterday, but inflation talks, as, as you continue to look at it from an agricultural perspective, 
How much more weight are we going to see as we talked in the first half a little bit about this banking crisis in the feds, but how much do you see that playing into the role as we get ready for spring planting and beyond? Well, inflation is is important here because as the, as the Fed pointed out, it, it's supposed to be 2%. That's their mandate. Or that's their target. And it's well above that. And they're, they've got to continue to try and, and starve it off. Uh, we know from the 80s, it it's, it's, does not help agriculture to have high inflation. Oh, you're doing, you're handling more money, but you're not making any more money. Uh, you know, what's the Fed doing here? Well, they decide to go ahead and raise rates again. Uh, as you look a little deeper, the problem is on the services side, and it, but specifically wages. All right. The, the, the inflation for goods has actually come down quite a bit. But uh, wages are very uh, play a much bigger role in the services side, and they're still uh, spiraling up. So I think the Fed was justified in what they did. They, I, I personally thought they could they could pause for a month and wait to see how much of a slowdown the banking crisis issues uh, caused. But they didn't want to be perceived as as easing up. They wanted to make sure that the employers know that they still need to tighten. Uh, tighten the tighten the ship a little bit, you know. Going to ag, you know, where's that show up? Well, in theory, higher interest rates would would strengthen the dollar. That didn't happen. Uh, the dollar actually backed off after the Fed announcement, and a weaker dollar is helpful for ag prices and for ag export competitiveness. So, uh, you know, I think I like the reaction that we had. I'm very disappointed that uh, you look at the bean market and say, okay, dollar's weaker. How come you're down so hard? You should be going back up. Let's flip over to the livestock side. Are we seeing the funds bail on these hogs? Well, the funds have been bailing on the hogs. Yeah, the hogs have been extremely streaky for really the last year or so. We, we see these huge $10, $15 swings uh, one way, and then we we go back the other way. We're we're in another down phase here. Uh, <clears throat> very oversold technically, but uh, that didn't stop them from being uh, down a little bit more in the April today. Uh, we did get a, a ten cent bounce in May, but that's not much to speak about. The, the concern there is on the meat side. It's it's the bellies and it's the hams. Uh, the the cutout uh, the, the CME index was down 84 cents today 74 or 77.83. The board's actually below that, which means that it's anticipating that the cutout's going to leak a little lower. Um, what we what we frequently see here is is some a little bit of weakness in the in the pork here in in March or early April, and then it tends to rally into June and July because hog slaughter drops off quite a bit between now and the middle of the summer um, you know some years that that seasonal kicks higher earlier than it has this year but yeah the, the funds clearly don't want to play the hogs on the long side until they see evidence that that seasonal turn the cutouts happen and it just hasn't happened yet so as you look at uh, grilling season just around the corner of course mother's day probably one of the most popular ones to kick it all off do you have any concerns with maybe what's in the cooler or what's not in the, or in the freezer well, we've got a very, very adequate uh, cool, cold storage stocks, okay, both, both pork and beef. We've got plenty there. Uh, we've actually imported quite a bit of beef, uh, mostly uh, burger-type material, okay, the, the processing beef, not not steaks. But I, I think the consumer has some money for, 
for uh, those types of purposes for celebrations. I think they're getting squeezed a little bit in some other areas, but uh, it's helped that gasoline prices have come down. It's it, uh, it's helped that the uh, uh, certain uh, the, some of the other good sector things have come down. So, I, I, I personally, I think we'll get some pretty decent uh, Memorial Day demand. The, the the in the short run, what we're looking at is ham demand for Easter, and uh, the, the processors have, are are already done buying their their raw material, the the pork primals for hams for Easter. Now they're shipping them out to the stores. Uh, we need the export market to step in after the processors are done for the season because they won't be back for hams until fall. And uh, Mexico is, is probably the main player there. And we did see a little pickup in Mexican interest here over the last 10 days. All right. Alan, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Well, they can call us uh, 402-697-3623. They can visit our website, www.brugler, that's B-R-U-G-L-E-R, marketing, all one word, dot com. Uh, or you can uh, follow us on Twitter, too, at at Brugler MKTG. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.